Hello and welcome to Biology to Healthcare, my journey. Today we'll be talking uh, about one of my papers, uh, Oral Vaccines, How a Fungus Can Help Revolutionize the Way We Gain Immunity. Uh, it's a very interesting paper, uh, but if you want to check out more about my biology experience, head over to mybiologyexperience.com where you can subscribe and get email notifications of when we post immediately. Uh, so if you don't want to wait for these podcasts and you want to read them right away, go over there. These podcasts do come out a little later than the blogs. Um, so yeah, uh, you could also check us out on media such as Instagram, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Tumblr, uh, Twitter, and uh, Medium. Uh, so you just type in My Biology Experience, look for our green, uh, green stem logo, and that's us. So let's get started. This paper was written in one of my biology courses. This would be an example of something that you might do while studying biology. Oral vaccines are not a brand new technology that is rebranding the world of modern science. In the 1960s, Bruce Sabin developed and administered the first oral vaccine against polio. The oral vaccine was an immense step forward as it showed that immunity didn't have to be gained uh, from an invasive procedure such as needles. Oral vaccines work by introducing weakened or modified viruses into the body, usually via a liquid. The virus, uh, viruses are then absorbed into the lining of the intestines, nasal airway, and almost anywhere else in the digestive system. When the weakened virus is absorbed, your body begins to react with the virus. However, since the virus is weakened, you will not get extremely sick or become paralyzed like in the case of polio. When your body reacts, your immune system will begin creating antibodies that will help fight uh, the virus in the future. Fungus and oral vaccines, how do they relate? Since before Columbus discovered the Americas, the fungus Eustaligomyetes, a corn smut, has infected maize and certain types of corn. This infection results in the formation of external growths on the surface of the plant, as shown in the, uh, in the picture to the right in the piece of corn. Uh, you can't really see the picture, but it is like a piece of corn. And imagine all the kernels are like really blown up and, you know, uh, they're gray and almost looks like ticks almost biting the corn. And instead of the kernels, it's ticks. Uh, so if you want to go uh, look up a picture of it, it's called Eustalagomatis, U-S-T-I-L-A-G-O, and then Matis, M-A-Y-D-I-S, also known as corn smut. These growths do not kill the plant and are often enjoyed by humans as food called Mexican truffles, an exotic global de uh, delicacy. Ugh. When corn smut is not infecting a plant, it is free-living organism that can be compared to yeast. The free-living stage is easily manipulated by scientists, allowing, allowing for the growth of many genetically modified cells of, the, uh, of this fungus as at, at a relatively low cost. Due to this, corn smut uh, is of high interest to be developed into a recombinant organism or an organism, organism that possesses an external DNA sequence, often made in a laboratory that would be otherwise be unseen in nature. The connection between vaccines and recombinant DNA may seem minuscule, but it is in fact significant. Being able to change the DNA of an organism easily and at relatively reasonable cost would allow the fungus to be used as a type of edible transport system for the virus to be safely incorporated into your body. So testing for corn smut and oral vaccines, let's talk about it. In 2015, an experiment conducted by Mexico by Margarita, uh, Margarita uh, Juarez Montel and a bunch of other people um, 
tested the possibility of using corn smut to make a vaccine for cholera. They wanted to express cholera toxin, or CTB, in a free-living corn smut organism. CTB is a protein that binds to cells in humans, mice, and other mammals. This protein causes the immune system to create antigens against cholera and a type of E. coli. These proteins can also give rise to a subsequent generation of antibodies that help protect against these diseases in the future. Cholera and E. coli are bacterial intestinal diseases that can, be, that can cause diarrhea and vomiting. This experiment combined the corn smut and CTB DNA to develop a fungus that expresses CTB proteins and then consumed can trigger an immune response to create antibodies against cholera and E. coli. To achieve this, the experiment has completed a series of reactions to incorporate CTB protein expression into corn smut cells and received four different types of DNA. To begin with, they tested if the cells would reproduce and if the new DNA would, actu- uh, would affect future generations. After testing their reproducing capabilities, they found that the modified cells can produce subsequent generations with other altered cells as well as unaltered cells. This shows, showed the potential of the low cost of the vaccine because manufacturers can reproduce numerous gener- uh, genetically modified colonies instead of repeating the tedious reaction needed to incorporate the genes into each cell. Using this, they can grow colonies as if they were growing crops. The next test was to determine if the cells can still infect plants and create edible Mexican truffles. They infected an eight-day seedling of corn by injecting modified fungus into the leaves. The Mexican truffles they grew were collected and sampled. It was found that all the truffles presented the same physical appearance no matter what fungus was injected. The only difference was that the plants that were injected with modified fungus experienced truffles that expressed CTB genes, which is good. After establishing the possibility of successfully modifying an ingestible food into a uh, substance that contained CTB proteins, the the experimenters had to test if ingesting these modified Mexican truffles would result in resistance against cholera and E. coli. To do this, they fed freeze-dried versions of the modified truffles to eight mice. After 21 days, blood was collected from the mice and experimenters found antibodies in all of them. This indicated that the oral vaccine worked, and the mice now contained the antibodies needed to fight off cholera and E. coli. Seven days later, they tested this immunity and infected all eight mice with cholera and examined them after about a day. The experiment found that the mice that did not receive the modified truffles almost had twice the amount of water in their intestines, indicating that their symptoms, diarrhea, and immune response were worse than that of the mice that had the modified Mexican truffles. So oral vaccines aren't just meant to stop your fear of needles. Oral vaccines are not just a way to help people with a fear of needles. Introducing and developing new oral vaccines can have social and economic effects. In countries and areas that are underdeveloped and have simple and incomplete healthcare systems, oral vaccines can be administered by non-medical personnel. This allows the distribution of immunity to increase at a significant rate while also reducing the cost of paying, uh, paying trained medical staff for injections. A non-invasive vaccination also reduces the risk of blood diseases such as HIV or malaria, which are of great concern in impoverished countries with little medical support. Another huge benefit is the lower cost of oral vaccines. The ingredients of oral vaccines do not need to be purified as much as normal uh, needle vaccines because of the the significant number of beneficial bacteria in your intestine. 
reducing the amount of purifications will de decrease the production costs and also decrease the amount of money coming out of your wallet and health organizations' wallets. These potential savings can re be reallocated towards studying other diseases or even developing more oral vaccines. So this is just all really interesting stuff. This is just a paper that I wrote. If you want to go to my website, you could read all the accreditations that I gave to people uh, and the papers that I used to make this paper. Um, this is just one of my assignments. I, I think I got an A on it in the end, but you know, this is just an example of what you write. That's called a popular press article, and it's meant to um, appeal to people that are not of biology majors and do not understand like the pure science of it. So there's a lot more information that you have to take out for a normal like person that doesn't uh, know all these like processes, like the says and stuff like that, uh, so they can understand and enjoy the article. It's not meant to inform a person. It isn't meant to inform a person, but it's meant to inform a person in a way that it's entertaining and that they're learning something that they actually enjoy. It's like reading a book. So if you were to go and read a primary article, they would not enjoy that. There'd be numbers, there'd be figures, there'd be letters, abbreviations that they don't know and they'd be looking up things half the time. They'd be like sentences that are just really cut down no transition words. Uh, this is a way of transferring that information to the public in a way that's broken down and just can be, you know, information shared for entertainment. So yeah, that's all I got to say for today. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, head over to mybiologyexperience.com and subscribe uh, and head up our media pages on Instagram, LinkedIn, Tumblr. And we hope to see you again. Um, you know, enjoy the rest of your day, guys. And we hope to keep spreading branches.